0: Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with 1,000 horsepower?
1: If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From the Ringer Podcast Network, listen to Gamblers Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So, download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner. Of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theRinger.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and help lines available, and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be twenty-one years and older and present in Select State's gambling problem, call one 800 GAMBLER or visit the ringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. What's poppin'? Real ones. Logan Murdoch. Roger Bell here. Roger, man, I'm just gonna get right to it, bro. Uh, let's talk about your sons. Me, Third Eye Kai, and Killer Kerm, we're, we're, we're texting, and we're like, you know, we're about to put the Suns in a pack. And then the Suns win. The Suns come back and win. We got a D. League game. What does this do for the Suns, man? Because, you know, they were they were about to get put in a pack. They were about to, to get... We were about to talk big shit about the Suns, but... Very, very, very impressive win to start the season for the Suns, considering the circumstances.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, if you're a Suns fan, you know, you have to be really excited about, you know, the way they kind of dug themselves out of that and the contributions you got from different pieces of that team. I like D book's energy. I like the way he was attacking the paint and and playing downhill. Uh there's some things to like, but it's but it's it's one game, you know, and if you were gonna have a chip on your shoulder to play against anybody coming into the first game of this season, it was probably gonna be the Dallas Mavericks. Now that didn't, you know, it didn't prove itself to be true early in the game, but they found a way to summon it up and get the W. But that's it's a good win for a first game, if that makes any sense at all. Because it is it's just one game, but it's a damn yeah. good way to start the season and a good win.
0: What is what is the, uh, the nuance of the first game, Roger? Because it could mean different things for different people, right? Like I think about, I was watching the Memphis game, the Memphis uh, Knicks game, and that the first game for the Knicks is way different than the first game for the Suns. So how, how important was this game for the Suns as opposed to how important it would have been for, say, the Knicks to want to set the tone for a season like that? Well, what are the differences in a, in a first game?
1: It's an interesting question. I, I think, you know, first games are weird because for some teams they'll tell you stuff and for other teams they're just not going to tell you anything. Do you, you, you know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. you know, depending on on who you are and where your team is and its, its maturation process and what you came off of last year, I think those factors go into whether or not we can read a lot into your first game. I, I liked, again, I liked the Suns' first game not only because they won it. D. Lee was big down the stretch. Um, but I liked. I, I liked. I said how Devin Booker was playing downhill. You know, the yeah. Suns really punished. They really punished them in, interior wise. Uh, Dallas, that is. They outscored them fifty six to thirty six points in the paint. Uh, Phoenix with the advantage by twenty points. I like your mindset there. I like the way you're you're saying we are more physical and we ain't running from nothing that you got in there. And you're gonna feel us. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I like I like what that looked like. I don't necessarily know what it means, big picture, long term for the Suns, some of that's going to have to sort itself out as I watch more teams in the Western Conference. But it's a good way to get off uh, to a start in a season that's got a lot, or an off-season, my, my bad, that had a lot going on for you. Yeah. And it's you, you come out and you get that win, and and while it is only one win, it's something. We're moving.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it, it's interesting where, where the Suns are right now because I think it was just a huge win in the sense that at halftime, they were down so much. They were I think they were down twenty-two in the start of the, uh, start of the third quarter. They were in a position where the team that beat them as bad as they beat them historically were back in the same position and beating them even worse. And you know Dallas and you also know NBA teams. Dallas is probably like, yo, we beat these motherfuckers last year. Why aren't we getting this home game? This is this is supposed to be for us. This is our this is our home game, right? They have that chip on their shoulder. They already have the fact they're beating, they're kicking the shit out of the Suns, and they're already about to be like, oh, we're putting your whole season in a pack tonight. That's how we feel. And then for the Suns, who I just re- just was gonna write off their whole season last night. I'm not even gonna lie to you, Raja. Just just with the ramifications of what happened last year, and for them to not only come back but come back twice. They came back first time made a run from that 22 point uh deficit. And then they were down 15 going into in the third after Christian Wood just start balling out. For them to have those two comebacks, that I don't I don't know where they're going to head, but I think they're they're better than I thought they were going to be and I was really really impressed by what they that that group did considering all the stuff that went in the, in the uh in the off season. Yeah, I think that's fair. I uh, again, it would have been an,
1: a terrible way to start the year to just get just completely ran over by Dallas that, that would have been an awful way to start the season so there's a there's a lot to be said for the character that they showed um in the face of all of what you just talked about I just still caution like that's one game I you know as a as a team from Phoenix I I need to see more while it's a good way to start I I need to see more you know
0: I want to get back. I want to uh, go on the other side of this matchup because I think it's really I- intriguing. It's something that we talked about a lot last season. Um, the, however, this the 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 Mavericks go this season it's going to be reliant on Luca. Christian Wood played really well down the stretch, but I just feel like you need another guy. That's going to be able to on a consistent basis, that's going to be able to get you buckets down the stretch. Now, like when things like this happen, I know they have Dinwiddie who has done good things in spurts, but how much do they need a Christian Wood in this in this season? For years they haven't had a number two to, to Luca. Guy that they want as a number two to Luca, but that can also defer to Luca in that way. How how do you what do you what did you see from last season that I mean last last night that that probably gives you confidence or maybe not confidence in and and what's going on going going forward.
1: Well, I like Christian Wood. I think he's a good player. I don't know that he's a number 2
0: to Luka when you're trying to win a championship.
1: You know, and, and no disrespect. I mean, I think that you're going to need, you know, primary playmakers. And and again, I harp on this all the time. I, I the willingness of a Luka to allow somebody else to playmake is mm-hmm. going to be really important. And game recognizes game. So, like, you saw Luca last year say, hey, I, I recognize Jalen Brunson can cook. Like, I see this. Like, I respect that. And so I will kind of allow, you know, myself to get off that ball a little bit because I trust that if I do, he'll make something good happen. You know, and so you need a player like that. I don't know that Christian Wood falls into that category necessarily. Oh, oh, consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a lot of guys right now that I think that could be Number twos on any given night, but the consistency is what makes you a real number two. And Luka is, is going to need that. And so Dallas does a lot of things good that's going to keep them around, relevant in the conversation, winning games. But when you get to that push comes to shove, I think you're going to need a little bit more than, than just the Luka and then maybe Christian Wood or Spencer Dinwiddie.
0: It seemed, when I looked at Dallas, it seemed like the exact same team as last season you know what i'm saying we're like you know the ceiling is probably 52 to 55 wins because that's just what Luke, luca can do for you he's like a walking 55 win player that's just how good he is i i think that this is going to be something that the 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 mavericks are going to have to deal with just until they get until christian wood maybe takes the next step as a consistent plas- basketball player or until they get just a solid solid number 2 that they've been trying to find i i don't know i don't I don't think it's any doomsday by any means, but I think they're just going to keep kicking the can down the road to they find that guy. And that's fine, but you still, at a certain point, you still want to go. You don't want to just be a 55-1 team in this league. You want to be a, a, you know, a, a 58-61 team, and you're consistently going to, to, to being a contender. And I think that they're still away from that, Rob.
1: It doesn't always just fall into your lap in the way that fans want it to fall into your lap, just the, the team being built and being ready to win right now. So, it's going to take them tinkering, finding real pieces um that are complementary to Luca and and fill needs for you and that are trustworthy. And then you will have to continue to just play it out. See what, you know, shakes loose. There's going to be a period of time, you know, in 15 to 20 games where people are realizing what they are or what they aren't and they're going to be ready to make some sort of move. Does anything shake free then that makes sense and that's the game that you play as a general manager as an owner you know to some degree as coaches as you're watching your team trying to figure out man this is what we have this is what we're missing you know i'm talking to my gm trying to find out hey if anything like x y or z is available can would we think about you know making the move and so that's what dallas is in because this isn't a championship roster i don't mean any Disrespect. I, it, it, when I watch them play, they don't look like a championship roster this year right now. But that doesn't mean that it can't turn into that as you
0: continue to let the season unfold and moves get made. All right, man. I want to talk about a, a team or, you know, a team with some people near and dear to your heart. Um, the New Orleans Pelicans. Very, 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 very impressed by them. I don't know how much you saw of this game, Ron, but from the start was just a commanding we're here type win, Right. Yeah, Zion was on fire. Brandon Ingram had had the hair out. He just said, "Nah, nah, ain't no braids for this one. Ain't no braids for this one. We lock it in, mm-hmm. and we're not playing around." Um, and the Pelicans just went out into Brooklyn and just embarrassed the Nets. What did you see from that game from the Pelicans that you that you saw in Miami? And that, did you did you get a hint of this when they were in town? I did. I did. I saw um,
1: again as I was sitting there with Griff, just watching them play the Heat. They were resting a lot of people, but they were in a game, nip and tuck, going back and forth, I'll be albeit preseason. But Bam was out there. Tyler Hero was out there. Um, and I saw a hyper, like a really competitive bunch. And then, you know, sometimes I, I got distracted, right? Because I'm talking to Griff. My kids are there. I'm trying to make sure they're having a good time. I'm talking to my wife. I'm talking to Aaron Nelson. Um, and so I, I, and then I look over at the bench and I'm like, oh, damn, that guy's on their bench. And then I'm like, oh, damn, he's on their bench, too. And then I'm starting to think, well, damn! If they're really competitive with this unit and all of this length, and and they still have these pieces over there, like Devontae Graham's not not out there playing, and and uh, you know, you you had multiple pieces that Bi wasn't playing. There were multiple pieces over there that weren't really playing. Uh, Zion was out at the half. I was like, wow, this th- this team is deep. There's real depth there. And so last night, you know when when I watched them play, and that was the game I was tuned into the most, I just saw that bear itself out. I saw their depth. I saw their depth in scoring, right? When you had, mm-hmm. you know, 28 from BI on 10 to 17 and CJ with 21. You know, Jonas is 15. Murphy came in and had 16. And then Zion, you know, bounces back 11 for 22 with with 25 and 9. Like, they are, there's a lot of scoring. They're bucket getters. You know, they, they play with the pace. And defensively, they're long, they're athletic, they're 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 uh, versatile. I, I just like the Pelicans. They're well-coached. I like their demeanor. They got a bunch of dudes that don't really get too uber emotional one way or the other, right? Think of B.I. B.I., look at his face all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the
1: time. Look, exactly. But look at C.J. Look at, like, CJ is another one of those dudes, just the consummate pro. I'm just rolling. Like, this is what I do. I, 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 bucket. You know, it doesn't matter. And so I like, I like, and, they reflect they reflect Willie G in that regard.
0: My pops used to tell me, like, when I would come, when I would uh like just, you know, have an accomplishment and stuff like that. He would be like, great job. And it's expected. You know? Like, right. this is expected. Right? right? Not saying right. that like, you know, like I'm proud of you, but this is this is the standard that's expected. That's what the Pelicans felt like. Oh, we're expecting to do this. This ain't even new to us. They they were not afraid of the moment. Ben Simmons, too. okay. KD, all right, for we'll sure. Kyrie, all right. Don't even trip. They went out and just got it. They just took it from them right. And that, and when we talk about game ones and and opening night s- statements, you know, not every opening night is created equal. But for the Pelicans, that is a tone setting game one of the season. That is going to, that that's going to set the tone for the rest of the way. It is, and you talk about setting a tone, and I talked
1: about how I liked Phoenix and, and their ability to get in the paint and just say, when we need to, hey, we're coming at you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're in this hole, and we're coming downhill, we're coming at you. I also, I just talked about the Pelicans' length and, and versatility and stuff like that. They are, they pummeled Brooklyn on that offensive glass. They had 21 offensive rebounds last night to Brooklyn's nine. It was 61 to 39 in terms of a rebound you know, uh, discrepancy. They just took it to them in a physical, physical way. It's going to be Brooklyn's, you know, cross to bear type of Achilles heel this season. They got to figure out how to get that right. But that's how, that's how New Orleans feels, right? That tells you how a team feels about you. When you say set a tone, this is how we're setting our tone. Bro, we're long. We're physical. We come downhill at you. We got bucket getters. This is going to be every time you see us.
0: Mm-hmm. What did you, uh, you, you spoke about Zion a little bit. What did you think of him? I've only seen him in, in spurts. I remember one time when I saw him, he came to Chase Center. And man, I remember he caught the ball at the uh, the short corner, took a dribble, saw Juan Toscano Anderson and said, uh uh-uh, uh, move out the way. Just gave him a shoulder. Juan went to the other side of the court and he just dunked it. It was, that was what it was. And I was like, oh, this guy, not just as impressive, but like I ain't never seen nothing like this before. I ain't never seen Bo Jackson <laughs> in a basketball uniform. But, what did you see when you watched him play, and then what did you see last night from him? Where you were like, okay, all right, he's back, he's here.
1: I, you know, obviously, he's got a real uncanny ability for a dude that size to to control his body and and contort it in ways that get him to the rim. Sure, he's very physical, but like he he's just got the ability to kind of slide off people, and 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 he's really really great touch for a guy that size around the bucket, and you know that was just watching him early with all the explosiveness and so on and so forth. Last night, what I really liked with, with him was how he was able to kind of integrate into what they were doing already. It didn't take anything away from anyone else. He played when he got it in reversal situations and stuff like that. He played quick. He went straight downhill at people. It wasn't a whole mm-hmm. lot of like holding the ball, dancing or anything like that. Like he made his quick move, boom, and he was either by you or he wasn't. And I, and I like that because that's efficient. And I also like he's really, really good at cutting without the ball. And he's such a great finisher that like when those dudes like BI and CJ and whoever else had the ball in their hands and they're getting into their, you know, maybe you got Brandon on, on, a, on a mid post and he's about to get into his bag with his back to the basket and then boom, there goes Zion on a cut because his man wasn't watching man and ball, and he hit him, and now he's finishing around. That's not taking any food off of anybody's plate. It's not taking any usage rate up. It's just getting him, getting him around the rim where there's nobody really in the league now that's going to be able to handle him around the rim. And I, I just felt it was a really good combination of their three main scorers, if you will.
0: I think they're just getting into their bags, respectively. I'm talking about Zion. I'm talking about the Pelicans as a whole, but another guy that's just really getting into his bag at just the right time is Brandon Ingram. You see Brandon Ingram just like he's, if you watch him just as a rookie when he was with the Lakers, he would show spurts, but you could tell he wasn't just, he wasn't comfortable yet. Maybe not like some parts, not comfortable with his body, but other times just really not comfortable with the NBA in general. Now, Bro, you saw it in spurts uh, in the first round series uh, against the Suns last year, but now like you're seeing him just going into like his Dirk step back, right? You're seeing him just going, going into his little layup package. He's not, he's not phased anymore, and he's just become way more of a complete scorer. And honestly. BI is one of my favorite players to watch in the in the league right now because he's just so even killed, but he has such an offensive back and he can play defense. He has the the defensive capabilities because of his length. He's a really good basketball player.
1: Yeah, he's really, really talented. He has a throwback. He's got a throwback game. I mean, he can play anywhere on the floor. He just scores at all three levels, but you know, it looks like where he learned to play was in that mid post, like that, mm-hmm. that catch back to the basket. Um, He's cold blood. He's an assassin. He's a tough buck. You know, I talk about tough bucket getters. He's top five tough bucket getter in the league because they're almost all wow. contested. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like he just works, 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 and it's contested. And he's so long, he's over the top. But Stack, you know, Stack was his mentor. Stack played like that a little bit, but he is very, very fun to watch. And I think when when you got a guy like that, um, you've got a guy like CJ that can handle it and play out a pick and roll and create for himself and others. And then you add that dimension of of Zion who is a problem on top of the rim at all times, Mm -hmm. Um, either with it in his hands or off of a cut, which you can't account for cuts. Cuts are, you know, I try to tell young kids all the time. um, If you watch Steph and you watch those guys, they all get infatuated with how well they dribble it and what they do. And whether you cross somebody and get them to fall seven feet back, man, miss me with all of that. Watch this boy cut. Watch Steph move without the ball. Cause that's what I can't guard as a defender. I can guard you with the ball in your hand. Now, to varied degrees of success, but you can't account for somebody without the ball just moving. Every time you turn your head and look away from him, he's gone. Like, and it's hard to it's hard to game plan for that.
0: You know what? One of the most I want to get back to the to, to bi, but you want to know the one of the most impressive things that I saw last night was Cam Reddish, um, in the uh, in the Knicks game where. He, where he hits the three to go I think it was a hit the three to go into overtime. Everybody sees the three that went the overtime, but no one is thinking about when, how he sprinted to that corner and went to right. go get the ball and sh- to shoot a three contested like that and it was nothing but butter. That was one of the most impressive plays that I saw in the first week of the season just to like just to get to that corner and just have the wherewithal that like I need to do that and that's what that's what people don't see.
1: Well, he better have done it because he was in no man's land where he was. He was down under the goal, just standing there,
0: like he (laughs) had to realize, "Oh shit, I got to get out of here."
1: But, but, but it was a it was a really good play, and he played well. I was happy for him, you know. But he was coming downhill. He had one on the break. You know, R J was struggling. R J had just rebounded it, come down tried the big right are talking, shoulder. Are you someone. talking about when
0: he, when he just got a Ooh, on there, when, when yeah, uh, so it was just got the little, oop like at the, dunk. it was right after yep. that. Right. Oh, okay, like, okay. like
1: Barrett had missed the lefty kind of like uh running layup slash hook. He felt like he got fouled the next possession cam down, cam came down. He had two on his left and he just kind of probe probe. And then he just took off. Yep. Uh, and, and And again, when you talked about BI not being secure, Early in his career, like those are moments that I'm looking at for young players, mm-hmm. especially one who Cam's people have been on the fence about that, right? Like, not yeah. exactly what people thought he was gonna be. The jury's still out, but those plays, when I'm watching, I'm like, okay, starting to feel starting to feel comfortable.
0: I love the thing that we can just tie it to from Cam to BI. They both just had that look in their eye last night. Like Cam had the look in his eye, like, y'all played me one too many times and I ain't fucking around no more, right? That was that was the thing the thing about bi and also you brought up cj is i think you know just over the last few years we've gotten back to the guys that will you know will not just hit a three in your face but they will also they will they will size you up they will get you in the mid post it's a lot more skill we've gotten back to being skilled in the mid post i think what well, was we'll celebrated over the last few years, and you know, obviously, the Golden State is 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 probably to blame for this. But we we prioritize as a league a lot of three and D, and we wanted the guys that could, you know, if you can get in the corner, you can make eighty million dollars. You know, if you could play some defense and go in the corner, you make eighty million dollars, which is great. Get your bag. But I do like the fact that we are we are trying to get guys that are skilled and that can also size you up because that's important too, and I like that from the Pelicans if all you're
1: doing is shooting threes and i know analytics people are probably going to kill me and and because i don't care about them really like that um but if all you're going to do is shoot threes yeah i mean i i i can kind of devise a defense for that i can try to figure that out right i could take away like being able to score anywhere is what that's why you bring kd into the mix when mm-hmm. when you're golden state it's not for more three point shooting it's for someone that you could give the ball to when all else fails and he's gonna get you a bucket. And most mm-hmm. times, you know where that comes from? What was that the mid-range. Yep. That's where it comes from for him. Now, like, so when you're now scoring on all three levels, we're talking about complete scoring threats. That's what greats do. That's where, that's where as a defender, I don't know really what to do or try mm-hmm. to take away because you've got it everywhere. You can get by me and get to the rim. Um, you can shoot the three if I try to back up and catch you as you go to the rim. And if push comes to shove and I'm denying the hell out of you, you put me on your back. You work me to a point where I have to play behind you. Yep. I can't front you anymore. And now you caught it. I'm on your shoulder. And now we're going to do this mid-post dance. And that's what complete well-rounded scorers are able to do. And you have to have them on your team. Analytics can bear themselves out through three and three quarters of a game. And now we're sitting here at one hundred one, one hundred one with four minutes. I got to get a bucket and I got to be able to give it to somebody who can get a bucket. And guess what they look like.
0: What they look like, Ra? They
1: look like Brandon Ingram. They look like Kevin Durant. They look like Devin Booker, who does a lot of his work. They look like Luca. He does his a little deeper, but that's what they look like. They get buckets anywhere.
0: Yeah. And, and here's the thing, man. And like this, I don't want to rail against analytics at all, but good basketball will lead to good analytics. You know, play good basketball. It'll bear itself out on the numbers. You know, like if you just if you do the fundamentally sound shit, it will translate. And just to like I just I'm really in love with the Pelicans are doing. But more of the other thing, how much of this has to do with when they caught the Brooklyn Nets? You know what I'm saying? Where they caught Brooklyn really early in the process of figuring their stuff out. And Pelicans have already been playing with each other and they already know they know their roster, they know their guys, and they have a bit more camaraderie. How much of this was, oh, they caught they caught Brooklyn flat footed because Brooklyn's still figuring itself out.
1: Yeah, some of some of it had to do how much is hard for me to tell you. How much of that it's hard, but I, I I would say maybe 60-40, 70-30. Um, I think New Orleans is really good. I I do have to give some credence to the fact that. Brooklyn is really early in this process. They're going to have to figure out how to not get bullied, you know, in that paint like that. And Kyrie was off. So, you know, when you rely on Kevin Durant and Kyrie to do most of your scoring, they got to be at least semi on. Or if one of them's off, the other one has to go for just insane numbers, or you're going to have to get a third option to go bananas. And they didn't, and they didn't get that. So you're always going to be behind the eight ball when that happens if you're Brooklyn, but when I watch them and the pieces they brought in, those are really good pieces provided we figure out how, how to get them involved in what we're doing offensively. Mm. They got to figure out how to get them involved. It can you didn't bring in, you know, Royce O'Neal and and Mark Keefe, right. but you don't bring them in, you don't bring them up just to be, just to be, uh, you know, defenders. So we've got, that ball's got to move a little bit more in Brooklyn. Yeah. It's got to move there's got to be some pace they got to get into it quicker um you know i know that's tough when you have two dudes who to you know could take that ball and hold it for three seconds and get a bucket and you know any way you want it you you tend to kind of play like that but they i think they need to that ball needs to move more people you know they got to get moving they got to get some flow give some other people some opportunities in the flow of that and then you have to unlock ben simmons
0: they just don't trust each other yet. It's too early. So I don't really want to, like, I don't want to rail against the, the Nets just yet. Nah, I mean, it's, 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 no it's really. just one game, bro. It's just one game, they're, bro. It's just one game. They're
1: one, of those te- they're one of those teams, again, like I said when we started, that that loss doesn't tell you a whole lot about them. Like, that's not sure. going to be, it's not. You're going to have to watch that for a while and, and, and see what that turns into. So I'm not worried about them, but there are some things that I know that they'll need. They'll need to do that to be,
0: to be what they want to be. Let's take a quick break. We're going to introduce a new segment, and I'm going to hope Roger doesn't um, kick my ass for the new segment.
1: This episode is brought to you by Honda. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Prolog EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prolog apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. 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 The power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and
0: find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Plus, FanDuel is the only sportsbook that's giving all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. Then you can watch all the action as you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to totals. With the NBA season coming up, man, especially in the first week, you have a lot of great over-under bets on what teams are going to do for their win totals. I'm going to take the over on 51.5 on Denver. And I think I'm going to take the over on the Heat 49.5 on wins. I think I'm going to do that. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in free bets plus three months of NBA League Pass. It's a pretty sweet deal. With promo code RINGERNBA, that is promo code RINGERNBA, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states, first online money wager only, $10 first deposit required, Bonus issued is a non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia one next step or text next step to 53342 Arizona. one 789 7777 Or visit ccpg.org backslash chat Connecticut. one 800 9 with it, Indiana. one 4700 Or visit KSGamblingHelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770. STOP in Louisiana. one Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369 in New York, Tennessee Redline 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee, 1 800 522 4700 Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia. And we are back. It's time for a little edition of Real or No Real. Corny Game Show Music will be coming soon. Um, but this is a way to you know for us to to talk around the league, um, just to like get some little quick quick bites just around the league. See what we feel. Um, going to throw up some stuff for you, and we're going to see if it's uh, if this this team entity or stat is real or no real. Um, first team, Raja, Atlanta Hawks, real or no real. They just got to win against the against the Houston Rockets. Dejounte went off. Trey went off. Uh, Trey didn't shoot very well, but. Atlanta Hawks, real or no real for you, Ra? Um
1: Real in the sense that those two together are going to be really, really tough to guard. Um, they're going to be tough to. They're going to be a tough. They're going to be a tough win for teams every night. That's going to be a tough matchup. So I got real.
0: I'm gonna go no real. Just right now, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold. They played against the Houston Rockets, who are is a very, very, very young team, and they're not. They're. I, I just. They're not ready yet. I don't think it's a good gauge of how the rest of the season going to be. Or maybe
1: I should have asked the question when you say real or no real, are we talking about real in terms of championship threat? Are we talking about real in terms of uh, what this game tale- tells
0: us, what this opening night tells us? I don't think that it tells okay. us that they're real yet. I don't, I don't, okay. I'm not, okay, I'm not, okay, I'm not locked fair. in yet. Um, right. But I do, I do, I do like them. I will say this. Over the offseason, I I do like them just going for it, right? We're going to trade for DeJounte Murray. We're going to put somebody alongside Trey Young. We're going to see what this does, right? We're going to see how how we do with this. So, I like what the Atlanta Hawks are doing. I just don't think they're real yet. All right. Fair. Real or no real, Raja? John Morant's MVP case. Real. (sighs) Real. He's going to be right
1: there. Boring injury or anything like that. I mean, he's just... He's electrifying. He's tough. He's he's getting better and better every year. Real
0: Doc, I don't. I watched the game last night, and I don't care if if he goes one of seventy one in a game. I want Ja Morant to have the ball every single time. There was a, a <laughs> there was a charge drawn down the stretch from Jalen Brunson, and. I don't even care about the charge because Ja Morant just did a double, like, scoop pump into the layup into the lane, bro. And I'm just like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. He's like Iverson and Jordan put together. I'm sorry. That was an Iverson Jordan-like move, and I had never seen anything like that. It was almost one of those things where it's like, ref, bro, just reward Ja for doing something amazing. I don't care what... I know Jalen Brunson, and I know that was an amazing charge and a way to sacrifice your body, but bro. Can't co can't, can't co-sign. Co- I know. Can't I co-sign know. on your fandom. Can't co-sign on your fandom because the, the charge was I huge. Know. It was a huge charge. The charge was, was critical. I get it. I got a little ahead of myself, but you feel what I'm saying, though, no, I'm right? With That's you. hard. I'm with
1: you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Definitely real. That MVP. I mean, you know, health health is an issue, right? Like, just being healthy enough to put up the numbers over the course of games to get keep yourself in the conversation, but I don't even think it's a debate about skill level and all of that. Like he's going to be in the conversation if they're winning and he's playing.
0: I'm still just, just like I'm speechless over what Ja Barant did last night. It was just incredible, man. I, I love, like, yeah. I love the play that they, they run down the stretch that Tyler Jenkins runs where he, he throws it to the middle of the court and just has Ja going at a full head of steam. Down right, he gives the ball to like I don't know it. Say Triple J right if Triple J's in there. Triple J gets the ball. He's not. I know he's injured guys, but just for the sake of conversation, Triple J gets the ball. Middle like say three point line. Quick bounce pass to John Moran, just for just full ahead of steam to see what he does with it. That's my favorite playing basketball right now.
1: Sounds like I. It's hard for me to envision it, but it sounds like kind of like blind pig action with, in the old triangle where he flat he flashes John ja Morant's yep. like higher than him. They throw it yep. to him, and then John ja Morant cuts back door and he drops it off.
0: It, it's a little bit modified because 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 I, I know what you're saying because Kobe used to do that and they would do it on the uh, weak side baseline where he would just get it where Kobe would just get a dunk. Right here, what they're doing is they just have John ja Morant at the like basically the other free throw line, and he's just running full yeah. head of steam and getting it. It's it's just a very variation of that of that play no yeah it's
1: hard to guard it's hard to guard that um so what hurt john moran i mean again health will help with it's when he was out last year the team just kept winning yeah you know and and unfortunately for him like with the optics of that are when you're talking about mvp you know Mm -hmm. you are phenomenal but that team wins a bunch when you're not there i mean people take that into consideration too so i hope he stays healthy so
0: so it works out because he's fun to watch all right real for uh john moran's mvp crease across the board um 7 I have this uh real or no real I want to I want to talk about the uh, the 76ers man. They got a game tonight against the uh t- against the uh Milwaukee Bucks. I I'm just going to preface this by saying they're real right now, but I was not I did not like what I saw in game 1 against the uh against the Celtics. I didn't like what I saw. Now, James Harden bald, but yeah. This is something that's going to going to rear its ugly head for the the 76ers when teams go small they got to figure out how they're going to play when teams go extra small and just go at Joel Embiid defensively because Joel Embiid is their best player and they got to figure that part out um James Harden is playing well if he can consistently play like this they're going to be fine but real or no real Roger 76ers
1: real I think the Sixers are going to be okay I think they're going to be fine. Another team where game one, I think it meant a little more to me than it did for Brooklyn, but I'm not panicking after game one yet. The answer to your question, I mean, Charles Barkley keeps trying to give it to you, and Shaq keeps trying to give it to you. The way, when, when a team, the way that you counter the team going small and exposing you defensively is to bury them yep. and bully the hell out of them. When they're going small defensively against you, one of the biggest human beings in the league.
0: Wait, wait, wait! Before you said that. Before you say that, I saw Shaq. Just to even say your, just to just to elevate your argument, I saw Shaq on Tuesday night against uh, like pregame before the Warriors game, and like Draymond went over to dap him up, which is just like poetic because it shows you everything you need to know about that old school mentality, um, and like this new school age, a hundred percent. Shaq would have just like dominated in this in this in this era, bro. Because they're putting a Draymond Green on him. Dog, what? Stop. Draymond is like, like is like two feet compared to Shaq. And the
1: funny thing is, Shaq, so when we played the seven, when we played the Lakers in the 01 finals, mm-hmm. Dikembe Matumbo, a shout out Deke. Um, prayers up for him and his family. Yes, sir. He was coming off of Defensive Player of the Year that season. He had just been named Defensive Player of the Year. And Shaq made it his mission. To try to cave Dekembe's chest in every time he touched the ball. Yep. No further than three feet, four feet from the basket, five feet max. Just gonna mm-hmm. bury you. And and it actually affected rule change because they were they were like, yo, you can't allow someone to just def a defenseless so defender to have someone's elbows in his mouth the whole game and then dunk. Like we can't allow that to happen. But point being, that's where he was going to work against another seven, three, seven, four all-time shot blocking type of sensation. And I would add this to that. There wasn't nearly as much space because there were multiple big plotting seven footers on the floor. Mm -hmm. Most of the twos and threes were all working in the paint initially to start action because you were running floppy and hawk sets. And And it was a more mid-range game. Correct. The game, everything was done closer to the rim. So there wasn't as much space. So I would make the argument now that if everyone is going to be outside the three-point line towing it, Man, you should be able to really take advantage of all of that space if you are big and you have a favorable matchup, but you have to be willing to do that.
0: I got a quick rant for you because I'm, I'm with you. Big men need to get a lot more shack in them this era because they would be so dominant in this era, bro. I saw Anthony Davis and on Tuesday call for a lob over Jordan Poole. I was so yeah. disrespect. I was so disrespected because. And that if Shaq sees Jordan Poole or any other big from a certain area sees Jordan Poole, I'm sealing him. I he is You can't even see Jordan Poole, and I'm catching the ball, and I'm dunking it just really fast. It's an easy two points. I'm not calling for no lob over Jordan Poole so he can foul me real quick. Why would I do that? And I just think Joel Embiid, just, and not to say he does it because he could, but that's the anecdote for the Sixers. Bro, just give me the ball. I'm sealing everybody off, and I'm dunking it in your face. It's a quick two points. And then I'll, I'll shoot one three a game.
1: Shaq would have cursed everybody on that team out if he had Jordan Poole and you ain't give him that ball. Curse everybody out, yeah. and, and and we would have been fine with it. Like, yeah, man, we we big <laughs> yeah, dog. Like, wait, yeah, we should, you should have had that ball. And you know, I feel like that. The closest the, the, this starts because they don't teach the game like that anymore. If you go into any gym, and now I'm on a tangent. Right, no, let's get. I'm it. on one. Let's go. I, you go into any youth gym uh, around at least my area, and nobody wants to be a big, right? Even no the big men to,
0: don't want to be bigs.
1: No, yeah. No one wants to be a big, including the bigs. They don't want to learn how to play big. They don't They don't want to learn the nuances of that. And so people have understood that and it affects their money and their ability to to build good teams. So they don't, they're like, all right, no, I'll teach him to be a guard because we want to keep him. And I'm not lobbying against teaching a big man how to play guard. But what I tell parents is, let me teach him how to be a big first like let me because you can always take what i teach in terms of big footwork and put that in the mid post it's the same footwork logan yep. so if you continue to you know b- grow and and expand you become a guard that if you really need a bucket you know how to do it on the post yeah. cuz those are easy buckets so why just completely let go of one part of the game because it's not
0: in vogue and we want all these skills you can have all of that shit You know what pisses me off, though, Raja, is that, like, big man, even the the young homies, like, they'll go to the three-point line. And what they don't realize is, dog, if you get a quick layup, that just gets you right in rhythm. You could get that three later on because all you got to do is see the ball going in. Why would you want to shoot a three to start when you could just see the ball going in, quick layup here, quick boom bop right here, fade away. Then, as the game wears on, boom, I can hit you with that three when you're not even expecting it. It's a chess
1: match, man. We're trying to
0: take advantage
1: of, of of situations, and if we have a desirable situation on the block, I post up on my eighth grade team. My son ties a five nine seventh grader, but if you put if you put a small guard on him because he's our, our our combo, like one-two. I, mm-hmm. I got a smaller one-two, and then he's my other one. If you put – I I run a drop to him immediately.
0: Boom. Forget the offense. Forget the offense. Just put him right there. Just put yes, him right we're there. Running. There we go. We're right we call, there. It, we
1: call it turn tie. Boom. We turn somebody off of him, drop that in. Mm-hmm. We cut him through, and he's going to give you one-two to that to that jump hook, or he's going to drop step you and seal you and get a bucket because we're just – and there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. Nobody's saying you're going to be a big and you'll never handle the ball, but you got to know how to operate when the opportunity presents itself. you got to be prepared to be able to take advantage. And so many of them aren't because they're never, ever taught or asked to do that because yeah. people are afraid of losing them or disrespecting them or, man, miss me with that. Teach them, right, and give them full bags. Yeah, Like give them full bags so they can operate. Like I, I mess with Giannis the way I do because Giannis, even though it's not all post-up, like sometimes it's coming straight downhill at you. His mindset is I'm bigger and stronger and I'm going to be on top of the rim. Yeah. So whatever
0: that looks like, but that's where I'm going. Well, that's the thing just about just aggression in general. I think it's not even a matter of just being mad that they're shooting threes. It's just the mindset of aggression, right? Like Giannis shoots threes, but it's within the context of like, yo, coming as aggressive as I can. That's what I want to see out of our the bigs of today. I just want to see aggressiveness. I don't care that I want the game to evolve. That's what I want. I don't care about that, but I also want I also want an aggression that I'm just not seeing out of bigs right now.
1: Totally, and I I want to be clear because I know I get like <laughs> I get all in my bag, yeah. But it's it's not saying that the game doesn't evolve and that bigs can't be outside and be super skilled in play. It's when we get in a situation like you talked about when we have this mismatch because a team has elected to go really small against us and it's exposing our big in a way defensively that puts us. you know, in in a tough situation. How do we counter that? We have to be able to counter that by imposing our size and our strength on them on the other end. It's the only way to do that when they're now smaller and quicker than you. And we've got to be prepared. And that's the situation I'm talking about. When Joel Embiid gets babies, he got to rock them to sleep. Put his ass down there and he's got to punish them. Don't get pushed off. Don't let your catch be four feet off of where you started your post up. Now we're shooting the, the fade away. Let's not do that. Hold your position started two feet lower, turn on his ass and bully him.
0: We got, in the, we got on a tangent and I'm just going to keep us on this tangent, man, really quickly. Like one thing I saw from AD that I just didn't like is he got his buckets against the dubs on, um, on Tuesday, but they were all passive. You know what I'm saying? Like he got his 28. Who cares though? Because he was going for fadeaways and like, it doesn't matter. Like it, we need a baseline level of aggression. I I didn't watch that
1: game as as close so I can't really in fairness to AD really talk about how he got those 28. I would just say that all 28s aren't built equally.
0: Yeah. We talked about in the past about same other players thing. too.
1: They don't you you have to have okay, when I'm devising a defense, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I'm looking at your team and I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do schematically against your team. Um Something that poses a threat, getting downhill to the rim is one of the first things that I have to deal with, right? Because a good enough player that, it, that punishes you on the inside is a concern. And I don't just mean on a post-up, but I mean, they, they collapse defenses because people naturally are going to be like, well, what happens when he starts driving into this gap here? What are we going to do with it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know a coach in his right mind that's going to be like, yo, just let him go. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be some plan for that. And so when 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 you're when you're 28 all comes from outside the paint and I'm not saying AD's did. I'm just talking about if this was a random player, right? And you're a really really good player and they know that that 28s only going to come from outside the paint or shooting fadeaways and stuff. It just changes the math on how I devise my my schematics defensively. Like there's no real threat in the paint. You don't collapse the defense and so then it makes it easier for me to stay home and take other people away. So you're 28 to beat me. Now it's got to be like 45.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Cause I ain't letting nobody
1: else get off now. I'm just staying home.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just interesting. Just how, like we always talk about no, no point total is created equal. And that's, and that's just so true, man, because there's, there can be a dominant 21 points, you know? If everything yeah. else, there's a if you look at the resident stat line, there can be that. That's interesting. Um let's table that for now just for, for time constraints, because Raja, we got some beef. Not me and you. Not me and you. We got we like, we got oh, a beef right. with a friend of the show. We got a beef with a friend of the show. All right. So I was listening to um, I was listening to the Dan Lebertard show, Raja. Okay. And um friend of the show, Amino Hassan, who said some great things just about the pod, but um, he included your name. Your name came up, Raja. And you know how your name came up? You were number I do five. Not. That would be interesting. You were number five on his top five flop list of all time, Raja. So, <laughs> so we damn near. So we got a we got a bone to pick with Young Amin over here. Shout out to the shout out to the Lebertar show. Shout out to all the homies over there. But we got a bone to pick. Damn it! Who was a who? Who were his top five? Do You remember? Uh, so it was him and Stu guys going back and forth. So like. Forgive me if I'm like if I'm miss if I'm like if if I'm like mixing up their ones, but I will say Manu Ginobili was in there, Um, Vlade Dvors was in there, Uh, Joel Embiid was in there because Joel Embiid flops and laughs because he knows he flopped but got away with it because he's a mischievous motherfucker. So So it was a respect thing on Joel Embiid. Also with all the guys. But it was manager Noble. Vade Divac got number one on both lists, I believe. You were number five on a means. Wow. I mean, that's pretty good company, I guess. Um, were you a flopper, though, in, in Spurts?
1: If I needed to. I was okay. an opportunist, man. That's kind of the way okay. I see it. Like, I never understood. So when I played against like a Manu or somebody like that, mm-hmm. I, you got to flop. I have to flop. Well, you You had the infamous double flop. You guys both had an infamous double flop. The reason I have to flop is because you are going to flop. So I'm (laughs) going to try to beat you to the flop. You're going to outflop him? I got to outflop you, man. Like, I got to try to work that. Um, But I never understood, like, people do this all the time, especially people that ain't playing no basketball. You know who you are. Mm, Um, (laughs) No, but, like, when someone takes a charge in the chest, oh, he flopped. And you're like, no, like I, I, I was in position. Someone hit me in my chest and I fell down. Like there's, if I'm able to withstand, let's say 200 pounds of force coming at my chest before I fall. Right. Let's just say Mm -hmm. where in the rule book does it say I have to take all 200 pounds of pressure in my chest when I'm in a legal guarding position to earn the charge nowhere, that's not subjective. Like, oh, if you 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 only took 107 pounds of the pressure so you can't go down. That's bullshit. Like, if I'm in legal guarding position and I feel like opportunistically, like, I've got you in a spot where you're going to hit me with that shoulder and if I fall down, I'm going to get that call, then that's I'm doing my job. If that's flopping, then I'm a flopper. But I'm going to stand there until I feel like I've been contacted illegally and then I'm going to put the ref in a position that he got to make a call.
0: Okay. All right. What did you think of when the league just start finding motherfuckers for flopping. What did it get out of hand at that point? Was it was it necessary? Or like is like how how should you flop if you're gonna flop out here? Because I feel like there's rules to the game, no matter what, what 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 you're talking about. There's rules to the game.
1: I never got fined for flopping. Um I didn't think it was absolutely necessary. I mean, people are people when they were getting fined for flopping were still flopping and not getting fined.
0: And the game so, will figure itself out, right? Like the game it, will always it, Figured yeah, out.
1: it it's gonna work out. I mean, offensive players are some of the most like I, flopping always gets a defensive like prism kind of put on it. It's mm-hmm. like offensive players are some of the worst floppers ever, man. It's fair point. Like that, real talk, like they flop all over the place looking for that. That's where Manu flopped, and I'm not even beefing. Like Manu was just an offensive flopper, like throwing his head back, and and so when you play them, you know there's a level of of understanding and and. You got to meet a flop with a flop sometimes, but I, I ain't really care. I was just out there hooping, man. And the amount of times someone takes, like say a Shane Battier or myself, and you might say, oh, someone flop. Do you know how many times I got my chest caved in on a real drive to earn the right to stand there and not have my chest caved in and still get the charge?
0: Shout you, out Jalen you know Brunson. Shout out Jalen Brunson out here. Sacrificing. Yeah, body yep. Sacrificing. And so
1: I would just, any coach worth their salt wants somebody who will wall themselves up and take one for the team. Yeah. My my son's coach called me the other day and he was like, hey, man, we really like him, man. He's seventh grade. He's playing JV at a really good high school right now. And they were like, we really, really like him. And you know what the dude said? You know what the first thing he said? Second thing, he said he's really skilled. You know what the second thing he said to me was? What's that? We watch film and he takes like two charges a game. <sighs> but But I'm only saying that to say you could have said a lot of things to me about him that you liked, I would, I would guess. But the one, one thing the that brought that it, a
0: tear to your eye was that he took two charges a game.
1: Because that means something to a team. It gets you an extra possession. It gets one of their better players usually in some foul trouble. It deters people from assaulting your rim because they think that if they leave the floor, you might step under them. And so it just— Because people think that
0: blocking shots is going to make a difference, and it does. Don't get it it wrong. But especially if you're a smaller team, if you can sacrifice your body and just get one charge at just the right time— That'll make the big thing totally different that coming down the lane, or anybody totally different coming down the lane. If you're there about to – Kyle Lowry was perfect at that. He used to do that yeah. all the time. Still does. Like if you sacrifice your body at just the right time, it could really be a game changer.
1: And it sends a me- it sends an unselfish message. It is an unselfish act. There's there, you don't get any glory like glory for it. It's yep. telling your team, hey man, this is how badly. I want this shit. Maybe I can't dunk on people or score 30 a game. I don't handle the ball and pick and roll and make all the assists. This is my body, and I'm giving it to you guys for a chance to win this game. It is one of the most unselfish things you can do.
0: Yeah, man. That was real. Shout out to to Amin. Shout out to everybody over at the Leopardard show. Shout out to y'all. Yeah, facts. Facts. All right, man. Good episode. But, you know, we don't let a Thursday episode go by without a a little segment we like to call Real One of the Week. Mm-hmm. Um, we shout out or we shout out a person, uh, organization, or entity that just won the week. I am going to go. I hope I get the accent right. I hope I get. The, I hope I get it right. Paulo Benchetto. I'm gonna go with him. <laughs> did I do it good? Was it was it serviceable? Did I get it? Yeah. Hold you it did down it great, for, sir. Hold it down for if you, you want to do it. A, hold great. it down. Hold, no, you all, got it. All, all all right, right, no, right, no, right. no. I'm gonna go with Paulo, who had the the best debut uh, for a rookie since LeBron James got 25 and five in his first game. Man. Listen, if the Orlando if the Orlando Magic make a comeback, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. Shout out to my homie uh Kobe Price, who's holding it down for the Orlando Sentinel. He he's 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 covering it over there, man. He's doing the damn thing. So um I'm we'll gonna go with uh Paolo Benchetto as my real one of the week. Roger, who's your real one of the week? Um so my one real one of the week, I just
1: I spoke about him briefly earlier in the show. Um is one of my favorite vets, Dikembe Mutombo, Yes. who announced that he was going through uh, treatment for a brain tumor, and all of our prayers are up for Dikembe. Um, Dikembe was one of my vets when I got to Philly, and Dikembe used to look out for all of us in a way that you know very few dudes did like you could tell that he cared about you we'd be on the road and he knew we didn't know anybody he'd he'd have us out to dinners he'd hook us up with with different things professionally that were going to mean stuff to us like he always had us under his wing and and uh you know my my prayers and 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 my family's prayers go out to his family and him but a real one um real i know one. he's gonna be all right he's gonna fight and, and get it tightened up but he is a real one. Yes, um, sir because he held us all down when we were young in the league and taught us the ropes of how to be professionals.
0: And that meant a lot. And in some cases, meant careers. So shout out to Deke for being a real one. That's what's up, man. That was another edition of Thursday Real Ones. We'll see you back on uh, Monday. And we got a special guest for you guys. So um, make sure you be on the lookout for that, man. Tap in, man. We'll see you guys soon. Holler.